This is the last known picture of the Klaus family together. Dean, Tina, and baby Holly Marie. Holly spent her life wondering what happened to her mom and dad. And then one day, two detectives show up at her work and change her life forever. She had no idea she'd been missing for over 40 years. Thanks for watching True Crime Recaps. I'm Amy with all the crime in half the time. Stick with me to the end because you do not want to miss a twist in this incredible story. Let's recap. Imagine it's the early 1980s. You're living in Louisville, Texas, a small city just north of Dallas. It's you, your spouse, and your infant daughter. You meet an aging hippie who calls himself Jesus Christ Lightning Amen. He claims to be Christ reincarnated, and he offers you a once-in-a-lifetime chance at salvation. You're free to join his church, the Christ family, but there's a catch. You have to give up your baby. Now, Lightning Amen has strict rules about kids on the road, as in... He's against it. Living a nomadic life is hard when you're stopping to feed and school the kids. So what do you do? Do you tell this hippie to get lost or do you bend the knee? 21-year-old Dean Klaus and his wife, 17-year-old Tina, stood at this very crossroads. They were a young couple looking for a fresh start in Texas. Dean had just landed a cushy job that would help support his new family. The timeline from here is unclear. It's believed they accepted Lightning Amen's offer, but their time in the cult didn't last long. Dean and Tina Tina were murdered somewhere along the road. Their bodies wouldn't be discovered until 1981 on a farm outside of Houston. Their infant daughter, Holly, wound up 1,200 miles away in Yuma, Arizona. She'd live the next 40 years as the adopted daughter of a local pastor. Meanwhile, Dean and Tina's families never got a solid answer. Strange women in white robes showed up to tell them Tina and Dean had joined their cult. They only answered to God now and would no longer have contact with their families. Now, this was a time when cults and religious fanatics were brainwashing young people across the country. Many parents lost contact with their kids, only to read about them when those mass suicides were in the headlines. Dean, Tina, and baby Holly's case sat ice cold for four decades. Then, modern genealogy tipped the first domino. So, how did one DNA sample crack a 40-year-old cold case in just a few days? Well, that story is more complicated than you might think, but it ends in June 2022 in a restaurant in Cushing, Oklahoma. Now, Cushing is a small city of about 8,000 people between Tulsa and Oklahoma City. It's home to Holly Marie Miller, a 42-year-old waitress and mother of five. She's prepping for the lunch rush when two detectives walk through the door. They sit Holly down in a booth because they got some questions about a double homicide from 1980. But... Like, what could she possibly know? Holly was a baby at the time. The names Dean and Tina Klaus, they don't mean anything to her. But then... Her world flips upside down. She sits in stunned silence as the detectives explain that Holly is the long-lost daughter of this murdered Texas couple. She's technically been missing for 40 years, and her real family is dying to see her again. One of the detectives hands her an old photo of Dean, Tina, and baby Holly cuddling on the couch. It's the first time Holly has ever laid eyes on her birth parents. Now, don't get me wrong. She's always known that she was adopted. In fact, she'd convinced herself that her birth parents died during the Waco siege in 1993. Her adoptive father, Pastor Philip McGoldrick, he didn't know too much about her parents. He only knew they were part of some really weird cult from Texas. Now, the Branch Davidians at Waco 
fit the bill perfectly. For Holly, it was like one life ended and a new one began. She had two other families she'd never met, uncles and aunts and cousins and grandparents, and they all just wanted to see their baby girl again. On an emotional Zoom call later that day after talking to the detectives, Holly reunited with her long-lost family. She answered the burning question on everyone's mind. Where have you been all these years? Oh, here's what happened. It's November 8th, 1980. Philip McGoldrick is the pastor at a Seventh-day Adventist church in Yuma, Arizona. And he's running late for a meeting when he hears a knock at the door. Now, through the window, he sees three women dressed in white robes. They're barefoot, and one of them is holding a baby. Now, he assumes they're there to ask for food or water or gas money. Instead, they want someone to take the child. Coincidentally, it's the answer to his prayers. Philip and his wife wanted another daughter, but they couldn't get pregnant. Now, baby Holly is a literal miracle on their doorstep. And of course, he's excited, but Philip still asks questions. Like, the obvious one. Why do these women want to give this baby away? And they tell him the truth, sort of. They say they're part of a nomadic religious group whose belief system forbids children. They don't believe in eating animals or using animal products, especially leather, and that's why they walk around barefoot. And one of them claims to be Tina, Holly's mother. She has Holly's birth certificate and a note signed by Dean relinquishing their parental rights. So Philip thinks about it. If they don't take the baby, she's just going to go somewhere where else, maybe to someone bad. Apparently, they've already left a baby at a laundromat somewhere. So when he agrees to raise her, the women in white, they're out of there. They leave as fast as they came. Are you allowed to just adopt a random baby someone hands you? Well, yeah, sort of. So Philip contacts a lawyer who posts ads in the paper about an abandoned baby. If no one comes forward to claim her within six months, they can move forward with the adoption process. Six months later, baby Holly is officially their daughter. Meanwhile, 2,200 miles away in Daytona, Florida, Dean and Tina's families are worried sick. They haven't heard from them or seen baby Holly in months. Dean grew up in New Smyrna, a small beach town on the east coast of Florida. He's a bright kid and a hard worker who always saw the best in people. When his father died suddenly, he's the one who stepped in to be the family protector. Except Dean wasn't the best decision maker. He dabbled a little in drugs and he got wrapped up in a different cult in the mid-70s when he was a teenager. When he finally came home, he met and fell in love with 15-year-old Tina Lynn. They got married and right off the bat, Holly was born. Dean was a skilled carpenter. He told his family that his boss had a job for him in Houston. It paid well enough to take care of Tina and baby Holly. So his mother sold Dean her car and the young family headed west for Texas in 1980. They sent letters home to Florida, but just three weeks after they got there, the writing suddenly stopped. Letters to their last known address were returned. And months later, Dean's mother gets a call from a woman calling herself Sister Susan. She says they have Dean's car and they'll drive it back to her in Florida for a thousand bucks. She's like, well... Okay, so three women in white robes arrive with Dean's car at the meeting spot, the Daytona Motor Speedway. Now, Dean's mother begs for any information about her son and his family, but the women refuse. They say Dean and Tina joined their religious group and they wanted to cut ties with their families. Now... It's absolutely strange, but what could they do but hope for the best? Maybe they were on a ranch somewhere, living off the land, enjoying a life devoted to God? Well, those hopes could not have been further from the truth. On January 6, 1981, a call comes into the Harris County Sheriff's Department. A man is on the line. His German shepherd has just walked out of the woods with a decomposed human arm in its mouth. Five days later, police uncover two bodies in the woods near the caller's home, a man and a woman. She's been strangled to death. 
He died from a skull fracture. The bodies are too decomposed to identify. So they enter a database full of unidentified Jane and John Doe's. They're like Jane and John Doe number 701 and 702. Something crazy. They're buried among hundreds of other unnamed corpses in a pauper cemetery in Harris County, Texas. Meanwhile, in Yuma, baby Holly lived with Pastor Philip, his wife, and her adopted sibling. Sadly, her new family broke apart. Philip and his wife divorced. His second marriage didn't last either. Her stepbrothers and sisters grew up and drifted away. Holly was alone once more. So when Waco happened in 1993, she accepted that her parents, that was probably the crazy cult that her parents had been in, and they probably died in the siege. It was better than holding out hope that they'd come for her one day. Well, Holly's life took another major turn when she was 16. By then, she and Pastor Philip had moved to Manford, Oklahoma. It's a small city outside of Tulsa. Philip had remarried, and he was going to move to Tulsa with his new bride, but Holly didn't want to leave her school or her boyfriend, so she made a deal. As long as she kept her grades up, Holly could stay behind and live with her boyfriend's family. But her boyfriend had a secret. He was addicted to meth. Now, Holly couldn't stand the thought of losing somebody else. So she asked him for the next hit. It's one of those, if you can't beat him, join him things. All she remembers is waking up three days later. It didn't take long for her boyfriend to abandon her too, leaving Holly with a drug habit and nowhere to live. Her grades tanked. She stole money from her dad to survive. And she was arrested for theft and shoplifting. She walked away from the church and she fell deeper into a life of drugs. At 18, she fled to California with a new boyfriend. One day, a hit of meth caused a vein to collapse. The pain was excruciating, but Holly refused treatment because going to the hospital, that meant bills, that meant calling the police. That meant a whole lot of questions nobody wanted to answer. So she spent three days in agonizing pain. Luckily, her body healed and Holly knew that she had to make a change. So she and her boyfriend cleaned up their act and they focused on having kids. They moved to Oklahoma in 2007 and started the family that she'd always craved. Now, DNA science had come a long way by then. In 2011, the Harris County Medical Examiner's Office back in Texas exhumed Tina and Dean's bodies, hoping to identify them after 30 years and close this cold case. Luckily, they were in decent shape and doctors got plenty of DNA samples, but they didn't have anything to compare them with. They had to wait until 2021 when a new kind of science was well into the mainstream, forensic genealogy. It's when police tap public DNA databases to find potential relatives in cold cases. Well, two doctors from a California company called Identifinders International, they wanted to figure out who this DNA belonged to? Who were these people? So they compared the samples to public data on gedmatch.com. Is it GetMatch or GEDmatch? Whatever. You know, it's the genealogy website that famously helped track down the Golden State Killer. So researchers tracked Dean's DNA to a cousin who was living in Kentucky. After a few phone calls, they found Dean's family in Florida. His sister was at work when the call came in. She thought it was probably a scam, but she decided to take it. Well, the doctors asked if she had a relative who went missing a long time ago. She did her brother, Dean. They told her that Dean and Tina's bodies were found back in 1981, but never identified. Then she asked the question, what about baby Holly? And they're like, what baby? So if Holly were still alive, they'd only be able to find her if she'd uploaded her DNA to a public database or if she'd been arrested and her sample was already in the system. But investigators took a more traditional route. They looked up her records in Florida. Unfortunately, it was sealed and they needed a court order to unseal it which meant that Holly either had a juvenile record or she'd been adopted, and adoption meant she could still be alive. A judge unsealed the file, revealing that Holly had been adopted in Yuma, Arizona, 
sent by Pastor Philip. She was alive and healthy and living in Cushing with her family. Detectives arrived in June 2022, and Holly's story became a global sensation. According to called experts, Pastor Philip's story of these women in white, it pointed to one specific group the Christ family. In 1980, the Christ family was about 2,000 members strong. They drifted around the Florida Keys, California, and the American Southwest, including Arizona and Texas. Members were forced to sell their possessions and give the money to the cult. Standard. They lived off food stamps and whatever they could find in trash cans. They were strict vegans. They didn't wear shoes, leather, or any other animal-made products. They believed their leader, Jesus Christ Lightning, amen, was a carpenter who'd survived a 40-day fast in the Mojave Desert. In reality, Lightning, amen, aka Charles McHugh, fled California to return people to Christ after his painting business failed. Members would tell you their creed was to have fun and have a good feeling all the time for peace on earth, which sounds, shouldn't we all be doing that? I guess. But it was actually a little bit more than that. They wandered the country with nothing but bedrolls and army blankets. According to the Washington Post, the women wore white and the men wore white hats or diapers or whatever they could find that was white around their head. Now, Lightning Amen outlawed sex, materialism, and the killing of animals. They smoked plenty of weed, believing it was a God-given gift, and they also rejected work, saying that they only worked for God. But most importantly, they had to abandon their children. To Lightning, kids were excess baggage, a distraction. How could his followers pay attention to him if they're so worried about raising their kids? He may also have wanted to avoid temptation. Apparently, he already had three misdemeanor child molestation charges under his belt. To make his people more subservient, Lightning got them addicted to drugs. Much harder drugs than a little weed. He and several other members were arrested for selling meth in 1987, and the cult disbanded after he died in 2010. There's no direct evidence tying the Christ family cult to the murders of Dean and Tina, but ABC did track down Sister Susan, and she didn't know anything about Dean and Tina's murder, but she guessed that some evil demon probably picked them up and killed them. However, all the circumstantial evidence points to the cult's involvement. Today, the investigation into their murder is ongoing. Holly, for one, believes her parents knew too much, and they were killed when they tried to leave the cult. In her memoir, she wonders who the mysterious women in white were who showed up at her adopted family's door. Now, the only name that gets tossed around is Rosemary Garcia. Investigators believe that Tina was alive when she gave Holly away, and Rosemary's the one that orchestrated the whole thing. While Rosemary is long dead, she had three teenage daughters named Jill, Joy, and Jan, also known as the three J's. They're likely still alive, and they may know something about the murders of Tina and Dean. As for Holly, she's thrilled to be reunited with her long-lost family. Today, she works with a nonprofit called Genealogy for Justice, which helps identify other nameless victims across the U.S. In April 2023, Holly finally finally visited the Popper Cemetery where her parents are buried. It was the closest she'd been to her parents in 40 years. What a story, huh? Let's talk about it in the comments below. And that's your recap. Thanks for hanging out with us today. If you like getting all the crime in half the time, go ahead and tap that subscribe button so you never miss a story. But don't go away. Catch up on more recaps right here, right now. Until next time, take care.